I'd like to open with prayer, uh, and then I'll introduce myself afterwards. Um, so let's take a minute. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together tonight. Lord, we thank you for the Bible. Lord, we thank you that the Bible is the lamp to our feet and the light to our path. Lord, we thank you for this picture in Daniel chapter 1. And Lord, we pray that you would give us a revelation of what it means to have a proper spiritual diet tonight. Amen. Uh, so my name is Justin Litvin, and I am a Christian. Right? I am a lover of the Lord Jesus. Um, I was saved. I received the Lord in middle school, so quite a while ago. I think I was around probably 13. Um, I had someone at school bring me to a youth group, and uh, he was you know, a good kind of companion at the time brought me to youth group, uh, and I loved it, right? I found the Lord, um, and I received the Lord, and then throughout high school, I remember praying to the Lord right before I joined high school, and I was like, Lord, I want to give my high school years to you, right? So I joined the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and we had a really solid youth group that I would go to on Wednesday nights, and uh, so I loved the Lord throughout high school, and I, and I had really healthy spiritual companions throughout high school. And then I came to college, and I had the same prayer. Lord, I gave you my high school years. Lord, I want to give you my college years, right? The best years, some people say, right? The best years of your life, right? Lord, I give them to you. Right? I don't want to be a Christian who gives themselves to you when they're 60, right? When they're close to death, and they're like, oh, I'm reflecting on their life. They're kind of remorseful about all the time that they've lost, right? And they, they want to get good with God. I don't want to be that one. No, no, I want to be one who loves you faithfully throughout my entire life, all the stages, right? And uh, so I got involved with this club, actually. Uh, I got plugged in right before freshman year. I signed up at the summer, the summer orientation sign-up uh, tables, and I got involved, and I loved it. My, my Christian life flourished. I did quite a few Bible studies. Um, I was meeting with uh, some Christians in the community, and uh, my Christian life flourished. And then I continued. I started, I studied psychology. Anyone study psychology? Yeah, okay, one of us. All right, so I, I, studied, I studied psychology. Yeah. Um, and I got my bachelor's, and I continued on in grad school. And so I spent 10 years here at UNT, right, a long time. Uh, to be at UNT, <laughs> a long time <laughs> to be in the club. And um, so I graduated last year, and uh, I thought I would still be able to print because I only graduated last year, but I did not. So I'll be referencing my phone quite a bit because my outline's on my phone, so just kind of bear with me uh, as I kind of check my messages. But that's just a little bit about me. Uh, I wanted to give an overview, very uh, quick overview of where we are in the messages. So I uh, have not been here all semester because um, I'm no longer a student, uh, but the messages are online, right? See us at unt.org. And so I listened to them and I kind of got some background of what was going on. So we're in Daniel chapter one. And in Daniel chapter one, there are two kingdoms and two kings, right? You have the, the king of Judah 
and they have the king of Babylon. And you have the kingdom of Judah, which is Israel, and you have the kingdom of Babylon. And these kingdoms are fighting against each other. And this is a picture of today's situation. Right? There's a kingdom of darkness, a kingdom of Babylon today, and there's also God's kingdom. Right? And we want to fight for God's kingdom. Right? There's this fight going on. Um, okay, so, so there's a parallel here in Daniel chapter 1. And then uh, the next message had to do with changing the name. Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the king of Babylon, conquered all the, you know, the Israelites. He uh, destroyed the temple. He took, he killed a lot of people, and he took some people with him back to Babylon, including Daniel and his companions. And he changed their name. Uh, and, and when I was listening to this, just kind of a, an aside, um, I was really touched. And, and, and I, hope, I hope you all can hear me out for this because you will be in the same situation, I guarantee it. I, I love my job. I love my field. I spent 10 years studying psychology. I love what I do. I'm a therapist. But I had to reflect. Did the king of Babylon, throughout my 10 years of training, did he change my name? Did my name change and my primary identity change over the course of my 10 years of study? Right? So there's a little bit of conviction there. Lord, Lord, don't, don't let the king of Babylon change my name. Right? I'm a Christian. Right? I'm not a psychologist who happens to be a Christian. No, I'm a Christian who hopefully will be a psychologist in six months. We'll see. <laughs> Still in training. Uh, okay. So then we got into the aspect of the diet. And so that's where we're going to read these verses. So let's go ahead and I'd like us to split it up so we're not all reading um, at the same time. So maybe we can have the uh, women read verse 5 and the men read verse 8 and we'll alternate. Ready, go. Okay, so then we got into the aspect of this diet, right, where you have the king of Babylon trying to give his best to God's people, right, uh, and the choice of provisions. The problem with that is it was unclean, the food that he was trying to give them. It was uh, as a, of a different source. It had a fellowship with idols, if, we, if you listen to that, that message. And so Daniel, what did he do in verse 8? He set his heart not to defile himself with the king's choice provision. And so there's this need for God's people to reject the negative food, right? The negative diet. There's a negative diet in the world, right? And there's a need for God's people to reject that, that diet, right? But you can't just not eat, right? You need sustenance, right? You need something to fill you. Right, to give you strength. And so then last week we talked about the positive diet, right? This aspect of vegetables and water. Right? Who likes vegetables? 
Yeah, I like vegetables. I like a lot. I drink a lot of water, right? Um, so I like vegetables and I like water, right? Um, and so we got into what does that mean? Okay, so Daniel chapter one. Okay, I'm not, you know, going on the physical diet. So so what does that mean? So last message we talked about how the spiritual food, one aspect of spiritual food, is the word of God, right? And and so there were a couple of verses. Uh, one of them, Jeremiah 15, 16. Jeremiah saying this, Your words, talking to God, your words were found, and I ate them. And I ate them. I ate your word. Kind of strange, all right? And your word became to me the gladness and joy of my heart. So if I wrote Jeremiah, I would say, Your words were found, and I read them, right? Because it's a word. It's a, you know prophecies and all that, right? But I ate them, right? And then Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Right? So there's this picture here that part of a healthy diet is the word of God. Uh, and there's two aspects for word that we got into last time. Logos, which is the constant word, and then rhema, which is the instant speaking word. And I'll talk about that here in a second when we talk about chewing the cud. I'll get into that. Okay, so now we get into tonight. We're going to talk about a new aspect and a new significance of a diet. And I'm not going to give it to you just yet because I, I, I want the, the word, the Bible, to reveal what the significance of food is. All right, so to do this, um, we'll read Peter, but... Uh, the significance of eating, so this has been kind of, this is a reiteration, a re-speaking uh, of the significance of eating. What are you doing when you're eating? You're contacting things outside of us that could affect us inside. This thing, the water, if it's outside of me, it's, you know, I could stand here looking at the water and I'm going to die of dehydration. No, I, I need to take that. And I need to take that thing outside of me and I need to get it in me, right? And then once it comes into me, I digest it. I pull it apart. You know, if I'm eating food, I grab all the nutrients and my body assimilates it into the muscles, into my tissue, into my cells, right? It breaks it down. I actually become what I eat, right? If I eat really bad things and unhealthy things, I'm going to become unhealthy. If I eat vegetables and water, I'm probably going to be pretty healthy, right? Okay. All right. So let's try to find this this new significance of diet in the Word, in the Bible. What does the Bible say food is? Okay, so to do this, we'll do the same thing. We'll re, we alternate um, with the, the guys and the girls, and we'll just do it by sentence. So the guys will start, uh, read one sentence, and then we'll switch to the girls, and uh, we'll read Acts 10, 9 through 16. All right, guys, start. And on the next day, as they were journeying, And while they were preparing, a trance came upon him, and he beheld heaven open, and a certain vessel like a great sheet descending, being let down by four corners onto the earth, which were all the four-footed animals and reptiles of the 
Period. <laughs> <laughs> and a voice. And a voice The things that God has cleansed do not make common. Okay. So this is Acts. Um, and so it's Acts, it's, it's describing the early church history. And part of this church history is this guy named Peter. He's kind of an important guy. Uh, he, was, he was in the, uh, the tight-knit crew with Jesus. And not only was he a disciple, uh, the Bible talks about hundreds of disciples, and then you have the 12 disciples. He was like in the top three, <laughs> right, when it comes to disciples. Very close to the Lord Jesus, right? And um, so he, he's praying, on this, you know, and then the sheet comes down when he's in this trance, and there's all these foods, um, or animals, and it, there's four-footed animals, so it's, it's not just any animals, right? They're not, they're not dogs or cats, right? There's four-footed animals, uh, and reptiles of the earth, and birds of heaven. Okay, so very specific what kinds of animals they are. Spoiler alert. They were unclean animals, right? They, they did not, they were incongruent with the law of the Jews. There's a law of the Jews that said you can't eat these types of animals, right? and we're going to get into that here in a minute, right? So, so these, these unclean animals pop down, and uh, he says, right, I've never eaten anything common and unclean. Okay, so he's still talking about these animals and these food. Okay. So let's figure out what the significance of that is. Uh, so later on in verse 28, Acts 28, let's read this all together. And he said to them, you understand that it is unlawful for a man who is a Jew to join himself to or come here one of the race. Yet God has shown me Okay. All right. So now we have the link, right? What is common and unclean? It was the animals earlier in the chapter. And then Peter has a revelation. It's not about the animals. It's not about the animals. Animals represent something. And what do they represent? People, man, right? According to this, right? Mankind, right? So this is what food represents. So if you're filling in, it says Peter's vision of a great sheet Men of all kinds. Men of all kinds. The Bible says that food and animals represent different types of men, right? according to, to Peter here. And so if you look down, it says foods equals types slash categories of men, right? Mankind. Okay. So we've got the new category we're talking about today, the new diet, right? Not, not only is your diet have to do with the word of God, right? And then rejecting all the negative things of the Babylonian system. Now we're looking at the type of men you're interacting with. What type of men or women 
are you in contact with in an intimate way, in a common way, in a daily way? Who are you around? And that's actually going to determine your diet. You're, whether you know it or not, you're actually eating you know, spiritually the people around you. Right? You're taking who they are, what they do, and you're incorporating that into who you are and what you do. Right? You're absorbing it. Right? All the customs, all the mannerisms, uh, all the values, right? all the practices. Uh, you're hanging out with a lot of people who are healthy, working out. You know, you're probably going to start working out with them. Right? Hanging out with people who aren't, just sitting on the couch eating you know, french fries, you're probably going to you know, lay on the couch and eat some french fries. Right? Okay. okay. All right. So, so, the, so the, the principle here, the principle here is, right, the people you hang out with, you will become them. Right? They are your diet. Right? Okay. So we're going um, to expand on the different types of foods in the Bible. Uh, so we're going to spend most of our time here now in another chapter of the Bible, another book of the Bible called Leviticus, which outlines the law of foods, what you can and can't eat. Right? And we're, gonna, we're, we're not going to look at this as like a, a new physical diet. We're going to look at this from the spiritual lens, the lens that Peter saw the Old Testament of. Right? He, he had a, a vision of how to interpret the Old Testament. We're going to take that same vision, that same view, and figure out what is this meaning, right? Okay, so first one, it says discernment and diet. There's four categories. Uh, I actually listed out three for the sake of time. So there's more categories here, but we're, we're going to condense it to three. Um, uh, of living creatures that are clean with respect to diet. So I'm going to focus on the clean stuff first, and then kind of by default, the unclean stuff is what the opposite. Um, okay, so let's get into this. So number one says beasts that divide the hoof and chew the cud. Okay, so let's all read Leviticus 11, 1 through 3 together. Ready, go. Okay, so there's this law that says you, you, you know, if you're going to eat something, it has to have divided hooves and it has to chew the cud, and I'm going to get into that here. But as a visual, I just want to show you what that looks like. Okay, so you have divided hoof right, on the left, right, and then on the right side, you've got a hole or one hoof. Okay, so this is a picture, so, and we're trying to look at it. Okay, so what's the, what's the meaning of this? Right, Peter saw a vision that this is more than just physical food, what does it look like? Right? So even if you're uh, visually, the one on the right, with, there's no distinction. It's all just one entity. Right? There's no, you can't, it's not separate. It's just all just one. There's, there's no, no separation, no distinction, no discernment. Right? Whereas on the left, you've got the divider hoof. There's two parts. You, you can tell there's a difference. There's a separation, right? There's a, there's a discernment here, a distinction here. 
And so a divided hoof signifies discernment, right? The ability to discriminate between what is of God and what is not of God. Right? We need to be able to, to have that discrimination. Uh, a quick story. Um, so I, I love to hike. Uh, I'm, I'm a backpacker, and um, my, I have three brothers uh, that I, the, the flesh brothers, um, and we just started a new tradition where every year we're going to try to do some kind of high adventure activity. And so the first year we did it was actually two years ago, and we went out to the uh, Pecos Wilderness in New Mexico. Anyone been there? Pecos Wilderness? Okay. It's a whole bunch of trees and mountains in the wilderness, right? And nothing else. Just you and the trees and the wilderness, right? It's, it's, it was awesome, right? Um, so my older brother, uh, he is, um, he's a, a Marine veteran. Uh, he was a logistic officer in the, in the Marines. He has a lot of training in orienteering, meaning like he knows where he's going. Right? He, he had a GPS system, he had a compass, he had a map, like he, he, he was set, right? He, we, were, we, were not, we were not gonna get lost, right? So my brothers and I, we trusted him, he's the eldest, right? He knows what he's doing, right? He, he can be our guide, okay? Well, the second day, the first day was fine, right? Because the path was very clear, very clear distinctions of what's the trail, and what's not the trail. The second day, however, it was not the case. This place had not been maintained in years where the, the part of the, the, um, uh, the wilderness that we were in. And so we were trying to follow the trail and the trail vanished. All these trees, hundreds and hundreds of trees had fallen over the previous probably two decades since they had cleaned it. Um, and we couldn't find the trail. There was no distinction, no, no discernment, right, in what was the right path and what was the wilderness. And we were lost. We were wandering the wilderness. We, we, it was probably like a 14-hour day. It was not supposed to be a 14-hour day. Uh, we wandered the wilderness all day because there is no discernment, no ability to make a distinction between what is one thing and what is another thing. Right? So let me ask you this. Who are you following? Right? Does that person have discernment between what is of God and what is not of God? Or is it all blurred and you're just wandering in the wilderness right? like we were? Right? So, so think about that. Um, so chewing the cud, uh, let me take a look here. There is a video, a very, it's like a 30 second video. that talks about what chewing the cut is. A solitary, almost unchained. That comes into the rumen, and at that point, it's really quite difficult for the microbes to penetrate through the cell wall. Okay, so this is food. So what the cow has also adopted is this really elegant mechanism of rumination. Rumination is also called chewing the cud. In this, <laughs> she moves food around in the rumen. And then a bolus of food is regurgitated, passes mm. up to her. Oh. And then she takes it in her mouth and 
choose it rather as old cowboys would choose tobacco, 20 chews on one side, 20 chews on the other. This breaks it up and it comes back down again. Mm. The microbes having done their Okay, so that's chewing the cud. Oh. All right, so now that you got a visual. Yeah, sorry. If you, if, if you have a snack, that might kind of mess with you. But uh, that's a visual of what chewing the cud is, right? It's, a, it's when you take some food in, right? And you uh, digest it a little bit. So there's some processing, and then you regurgitate it back into <laughs> to your mouth, and then you chew it again. Right? There's more nutrients there, right? Chew it again, and then you swallow it, right? Okay, all right. So, so what does that mean, right? Um, we're not cows, all right? And so what we're looking for, uh, to bounce off from last time, the food, one type of food that, that the people of God eat is the Word of God, right? And so uh, to... Chew the cud means to take in the word of God and you get it inside of you, right? But it becomes, you know, there's more there, right? You might have the word of God in you, right? And it's deep down in the stomach and you're not feeling it, but it's in you, right? This could be like the logos, right? The constant word, it's in you. You may have memorized some scripture, you may have some Bible stories, you know, in your mind, it's in you. Hallelujah, you've got the Word of God in you, right? Okay. But then there may be other times when that Word comes back up. And you begin to reflect, begin to chew, begin to muse, begin to ruminate on that Word again. Right? So, so this has happened a lot of times uh, for me. Even the Jeremiah 15, 16, right? That verse, you know, you can memorize it. Your words were found, and I ate them. Right? So I could be walking to and from class, and you know I'm just just walking. You know, maybe thinking about my class, or the you know what homework I got to do, what I didn't do, and then that word pops up. Your words were found. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you that your words were found. You've given us your words, Lord. I want to eat your word, right? Jeremiah did. Right? And so this is even though the word was in me. I spit it back up, and I'm chewing it again, and I'm reprocessing it, right? And I'm enjoying it, right? And that's kind of like the, the rhema, the rhema word. So you have the logos and then the rhema. Okay, so uh, let's move on to the next category. Aquatic animals having fins and scales. Okay, so read Leviticus 11.9. Okay, all right, so you, you, the Leviticus code talks about if you're going to eat something, it, it has to have for fish fins and scales. Fins and scales are very important for, uh, for God, right, to God. And um, so I put a picture up here so you could see, you know, you got the fins, but, but I don't know if you've ever actually spent a lot of time looking at the scales of the fish. And so we'll talk about that here in a second. So fins, what's the purpose of a fin? Movement. Movement, exactly. The purpose of the fin is 
for the fish to have movement. Otherwise, what's the fish doing? It's sinking, it's floating, it's just hanging out, right? And wherever the, the wave and the current takes it, it can't, it can't go anywhere else, right? If the current brings it over here, it, it, it can't fight it. The current brings it over here, it, it can't fight it, it can't swim, right? It has no fins, right? And so kind of in the same way, uh, the world is like a big sea, and there's a lot of currents in the sea. There's a lot of things pulling you in certain directions. Come here, check this out, look at this, you know, push this button, watch this video, see this, um, hang out here, drink this. You know, there's a lot of things pulling you in different directions. So as people of God, you know what we need? Fins. We need fins, right? That we may resist the current of the age that is pulling us in a different direction. Okay, so we need fins, but we also, we need scales. So if you look here, you see these scales. Scales, it's actually like a very kind of thick substance. Scales are like shields. It's a barrier that separates the fish from the sea. And so even in the, if you take a fish that is living in a very salty environment, if it has scales, it's protected. It's a barrier. It's not salty. It's not uh, contaminated with the environment because it has scales. So as believers swimming around in the world, which has its own flavors, which has its own contaminations, which has its own pollutants, we need scales to protect us from the contamination of the world. So this is what it means to have fish, uh, fins and have scales. And I'll talk a little bit more about that here in, uh, in, a, in a minute. Um, the birds, we'll, we'll come to birds also here in a minute because the verses are on the back side uh, of it. So let's, let's move on from this page and go on to the back side, which talks about discernment and diet. And so this one has five categories of living creatures that are unclean with respect to diets. Uh, I only listed three for the sake of time. Okay, so the first one, the beasts that do not divide the hoof and beasts that go on their paws. So go ahead and read Leviticus um, 11, 4 through 8. Okay, so we'll stop there. I'm realizing I'm already short on time. So um, there's a distinction here. So remember that we need, uh, if we're going to eat, be around animals, right? If we're going to contact people in a regular, consistent, intimate way, man, they need discernment and they need to chew on the Word of God, 
right? Um, otherwise, it's a contamination here. Um, okay, so I'll, I'll skip, skip this for the sake of time. So let's move on to the next one. Aquatic animals having, uh, aquatic animals that do not have fins and scales. Um, so same principle here. If you are in, um, uh, if it's a fish that doesn't have fins, it's just going to be swept up by the current of the age. If it doesn't have scales, it's going to be contaminated by the pollutants of the world. Right? So, so we need to have these people right, who, can have, who have fins, who have scales. Um, so I had a friend in high school uh, who was a, a good companion in high school. We were very active in our youth group together on Wednesday nights. We would drive to our youth group. And um, as we transitioned from high school to college, I realized something. He didn't have fins, and he didn't have scales. And because of that, he got swept up by the current of college, and he got into a whole bunch of trouble, eventually dropped out and his whole life was contaminated because of some of the things that he had done. So you want to be careful. You've got to be very careful. I want to be around people who have fins and have scales. Okay, so uh, birds, we'll read birds real quickly. Okay, so birds that eat flesh and carcasses as their food supply are unclean. And um, these things are considered an abomination. These types of birds are considered an abomination. Right? This is very wicked, evil in the sight of God. These are birds, and it, it lists it out. For the sake of time, I won't get into it. These are birds that feed on death. They feed on carcasses. Right? These are the unclean birds. Right? And if you compare that to the clean birds, the clean birds are, are the ones that feed on seeds, they feed on plants, they feed on life. Right? So there's a distinction here. Am I hanging out with birds that are feeding on death or feeding on life? Right? I want to be those who feed on life. Okay, all right. Um, what, what's the purpose of all this? The Leviticus, so Leviticus chapter 11 it, um, it ends with this statement. Let's read this together. 11, 44 through 45. Ready to go. Why did God care about the, the food, the animals? Right? In even in Leviticus 11, he says, I do it because I want you to sanctify yourself, to set yourself apart from every unclean thing. I want you to be holy as I am holy. So I, uh, just very quickly, uh, I had mentioned in college I got connected with this club, and I loved it. Um, I was um, also, I was living in the dorm. Uh, I was a resident assistant for two and a half years, and uh, I really wanted, before I ended college, 
I really wanted to know what it was like to live with some Christian guys and see what, what that would be, be like to have these kind of Christian companions in, in a daily way. And so I moved into a house with some Christian guys, and I loved it. Uh, we were, um, the guys that I was hanging out with, they had discernment. They knew what was of God, what was not of God. We would chew the cud together. We would, you know, read the word together. Uh, together we had some very thick skins, and we, you know, we had fins, and we were uh, together floating away from the currents of the world. But a lot of what we did wasn't spiritual. Most of what we did was just living life together. We'd cook together. Uh, we would work out together. Um, we would go on camping trips together. We would go play sports together. We would study together. We were just living life, right? Not necessarily in a, in a spiritual way. But I became what they were. And they became what I was. Right? So this is the principle here. Right? You, will, you can tell who you will become based off from those that you're eating, right? those that you're hanging out with. Okay, uh, so there's a few more verses there. I'll let you read them uh, on your own. Um, I will end for the sake of time.